Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, world. Welcome once again to Tuesday Talk with Key West Lou. I am your host, Louis Patron. Another crazy week. You know, I would like for things to calm down. I'm sure most, if not all of you, would enjoy the same thing. Uh, Donald Trump's presidency is just too much. Uh, he is too much for the country, too much for the world, too much for all of us. Uh, but we elected him. We're stuck with him. I hope we throw him out of office on November 3rd and do so decisively. He uh, he is ruining our country, I don't have to tell you, uh, not only locally, nationally, but all over the world. He is not a good man. He is a liar. He is despicable. He is inept, and he's incompetent. Is there anything I left out? Okay, uh, crazy week again. Uh, I'm getting more and more concerned about what's happening with protesters, and now that Trump has his Gestapo unit out there, uh, which we'll be talking about. And in so talking tonight, we're going to be in Portland, Washington, D.C., Chicago, New York City, Rome, Italy, Hong Kong, Brazil, and China. Uh, I want to start with something I talked about in my blog, one of my blogs this week. America is dying. No question about it. Why do I say that? Let's let's go to the good book. Let's think about the four horsemen of apocalypse. The four horsemen of apocalypse. Uh, Two of them are already here. They are already in the United States. I'm talking about, I am talking about disease and violence disease and violence how can you argue with me what's coronavirus probably the worst epidemic pandemic ever to hit the world except for the bubonic plague and then violence what's happening in our streets the protesters uh the the president sending in now these people in black these people in green military fatigues no one knows who they are their faces are covered they're secret people they're probably ice and they're probably from bortec uh that uh, border military unit uh, but the president what doesn't want us to know for some reason who they are that doesn't make sense to me I, I, I'm sorry, my friends, this country is getting more and more like Hitler's Germany. I mean, we're stepping over the middle point of the line, too, I think. Uh, now, besides the disease and the violence, there's two more horsemen. I've only named two of the four. There's two more. There is conquest, there is famine, and there is plague. There is conquest, and I'm sorry, I'm getting it all mixed up here. We have disease, we have violence. Now we're going to have conquest and famine. Conquest and famine. Conquest and famine. Where's it going to come from? Well, already we're having problems getting enough food to people. We're having trouble raising food. We're having trouble delivering food. We're having trouble putting food in the marketplace. We're having trouble with people having enough money to buy food, okay? Uh, so that's going to be happening. Uh, the famine and all other types of bad things. But right now, two of the horsemen are here, my friends. Disease and violence, and it cannot be argued, and they are not good things to have around us. want to talk about the United States Civil War, the 1800s. The war was in the 1860s, rather. 1860s. 
now, why was there a civil war in this country? I want to spell it out a wee bit differently. You know, we're to free the slaves, et cetera, et cetera. I want to spell it out in a different fashion. And as I'm talking, think about what I am saying. And I am relating it to what is going on today. Uh, people had come to see, you know, we had two sides, the North and the South. Uh, each side had come to see, to view their political opponents in the extreme. View the South was viewing the North, and the North was viewing the South in the extreme. We had a Congress going, remember, before there was a Civil War, before and after the beginning of the Civil War. It was an extreme. The two weren't thinking at all. They weren't communicating with each other. They even saw each other in de- de- demonic ways. Like, the other side was the devil. Bad people. We're not like them. Very bad people. And, of course, we got that now. Look, the evangelicals think everyone else is oh so evil. Uh, uh, Catholics, Jews, no good. Only evangelicals are good. Uh, And they believe that whatever they do is correct, and whatever Donald Trump does, of course, is correct. It could be morally wrong. It could be physically wrong. It could be wrong in every way. But because Donald does it, and he's their man, and he claims he's an evangelical, it's A-OK. And then uh, we had a civil war in this country because it was impossible for either side, for the, both sides, to find a middle ground. Can we find a middle ground in Washington today? Absolutely impossible. Absolutely impossible. Uh, we're in trouble. We're in so much trouble. I see our, our, our politics and our culture uh, coming into conflict. Uh, they're, they're running into each other. And things seem to get worse every weekend. What's happened in Portland this past weekend. What's going to happen again in Portland this weekend. And what the president has already said is going to happen in Chicago. I believe, I believe that revolution, rebellion may be around the corner. Because you can only defecate on people so much. These these board pack people, the people in black, the black cars stopping, throwing people in and running off with them. Uh, the the green tan military fatigues, nothing with names on them. What would you do if they you're protesting, you're trying to protest calmly, and they start beating the hell out of you, tear gassing you, and do beating you with batons that bruise and hurt? And whatever else, you're going to retaliate. You're not going to take that crap. You're going to hit them back. They hit you, you're going to hit them back. They shoot at you, you're going to shoot at them. That's the way it is. That's the way it's going to be. And who made it this way? Our president, Donald Trump. Now, I'm just curious about Chicago. How, if they go to Chicago this weekend, and he's already said he's sending these people to Chicago, What do you do if you're Chicago? The president has no legal right to send anyone into Chicago for anything except, you know, let me tell you, our laws are in the federal register. The United States Congress, since its inception, makes a law for everything and anything. Something happens, they make a law. Most of our laws should not even be federal laws. There should be local laws under the Constitution. But our Congress, they cover everything. We've got to make a law. Now, I 
started practicing law, we didn't have computers, 1960. Uh, that meant we, we didn't do our legal research via computer, which makes it very easy today to, to, to practice law. Your legal research is you press a few buttons. They, you put the question in, what's the law on this? They give you the law. Before, it took hours to find all this. Well, one, you had to buy books because there were no computers. And I remember when I started in 1960, I had to get a set of the Federal Register. I don't know. They were blue books. They were all the black statutory law with the cases interpreting them. I don't know how many volumes, how many walls I had to cover with these useless books that I would get into once or twice a year, this particular set of books. But in there, from what I understand today, there is only really one, about a line and a half, that gives permission for federal troops to be sent in by the president if they are to protect federal buildings and federal property. Now, what Trump's upset about is the federal property aspect to begin with. Those are the Confederate statutes that, you know, Black Lives Matter, et cetera, and most of the protesters want to tear down. He says, no, we've got to leave them up. So they're there to protect. Can you imagine the president of the United States sending American troops in of some sort to fight American people to protect the structures, the, the, the statues of those honoring Confederates who left the Union and fought against us? fought against the Union. They should not be honored, and he shouldn't protect those statues. Uh, but for some reason, I don't know why he's protecting them. I can't believe that his, all his base wants him protected. I mean, all 30% of them. Uh, and the federal buildings. In Portland, I'm not aware of any federal building that was in jeopardy. There was a police-type building for their Benevolent Association or something uh, that was abandoned, and they claimed they were protecting that. Well, that was a local city property, had nothing to do with federal property. Now they're going to go into Chicago. Now, you've got to have something in danger before you're going to protect it. You don't send people in willy-nilly. And I don't know what he's going to protect in Chicago except the statues. Have you heard of any, you know, the local protesters damaging any federal buildings? And they got a ton of them in Chicago, big city, or anything like that. He doesn't have the authority to do this. He doesn't have the right. And I can't believe that Chicago will take this without blinking an eyelash. I've got to believe if it isn't Chicago, then it's going to be New York City or Baltimore. The local police, the National Guard, the State National Guard, should stand firm and oppose these people from coming in. Get out of my city. You don't belong here. And if force has to come to force in that instance, it should. Because Trump does not belong in the cities under these circumstances. And you've got to fight fire with fire. If you don't stand up to this man, he's going to crawl over everyone in every city. So that's what I think about that. Which now brings me to, do you remember, uh, it's, it's, I think it's a poem uh, for want. Remember there was a fight that goes back in the days of the knights and everything. And they fought on horses. They had their armor and so forth. But uh, a king or somebody... Uh, he lost a shoe on his horse. 
the nail came out of his shoe. And, and the poem starts, uh, for want of a nail, the shoe was lost. And it ends up with several lines later, you know, for, for, for want of a battle, the kingdom was lost, and all for the want of a horseshoe nail. Now, I came across, I came across a takeoff on For Want of a Nail, and I'm going to read it to you. It's called For Want, For Want of a Mask. Yes, a mask. For Want of a Mask. Follow me. Quote, For Want of a Mask, a person got sick. For Want of a Mask, his family got sick. For Want of a Mask, his family infected five other families. For Want of a Mask, that neighborhood infected a city. For want of a mask, that city infected a region. For want of a mask, that region infected Florida. We live in Florida. For want of a mask, Florida infected the nation. For want of a mask, the nation infected the world. And all for the want of a governor. We're talking about DeSantis, who we all don't like here. He's inept. He's another Donald Trump. And all for the want of a governor that will not ask people to wear masks in public. He won't ask the people, just like Trump. He won't ask the people. Uh, and the last line is, I'm going to read the last two lines again, what I'm repeating. And for, all for the want of a governor that will not ask people to wear masks in public, what a complete brainless asshole he is. Our governor, DeSantis, is a brainless asshole. If you looked there and you paid attention to him, you would understand and agree. The man is Trump's lapdog. He does everything the, governor, the president does, and he does everything the president wants done. The president has consistently said for months, the best governor in the United States is DeSantis, Florida's DeSantis. And look at the shape we're in right now. What are we, the second worst state in the union, coronavirus-wise? I mean, we had five consecutive days last week in Florida. Five consecutive days within excess each day of 10,000 new coronavirus cases. Can you imagine? Okay, that's that one. Fauci, Anthony Fauci. Who could be a better man than Anthony Fauci? He served four to six presidents. He's been involved for over 40 years in the type of work he's done. He's a recognized worldwide authority when it comes to epidemics and pandemics. Uh, you got to admire the guy. He's a tiny man. We've all seen him on television. But he's not afraid to speak truth. You saw him when he was on TV with Trump. Trump would say, the moon is made of cheese. And <laughs> Fauci would get up and snow, say, no, it is not made of cheese. <laughs> it's made of banana peels. Now, what has Fauci been doing for the last few months? Did you notice today when the president was back on TV, Fauci wasn't there. No one was there. Anyhow, Fauci wasn't even invited to stand behind the curtain as someone else was. Anyhow, the president referred to Fauci this week as an alarmist, an alarmist. The man is an authority on coronavirus. Uh, we are in the worst shape in the world today of any country, of any country. And uh, you've got to admire Fauci, Anthony Fauci, because not only did he speak truth, he had the courage, he had the sense of responsibility to speak truth to power. 
He is not afraid, was not afraid to speak truth to power. And if this guy, by the name of Donald Trump, ever got to be Adolf Hitler and take over the country, I'll tell you who one of the first people is that's going to be put in jail or a concentration camp. It's going to be Anthony Fauci because he stood up to the president. And America loves Anthony Fauci. Okay. Trump wants the schools reopen. Now, I'm 85. I've got grandchildren. Uh, most, in fact, my grandchildren are all adults in their 20s and early 30s. My kids are in their 60s, 50s and 60s. Uh, I, I don't have great-grandchildren yet. Uh, I have two grandchildren down here, though, are only 14 and 15. Lisa's two children, because she got married late in life at 49 and had her children later in life. Be that as it may, if my children were of school age, and I was told you have to send your kids to school, good luck. No way, Jose, would my kids be going to school. And there'd be a lot of people like me. I'm going to put my children in jeopardy's way? you got to be out of your mind. He doesn't want the schools open because he wants to educate our children effectively and properly. He wants them open. So the parents, you have to understand, two parents work in this world. It isn't your mother stayed home and took care of you like when I was a kid. Mom and dad both work today because things are tough financially in this country for years. And if the child's in school, the school is the babysitter, in, fa- in effect. Then mom and dad can go to work. But if the kid's home... One of them has to stay home to watch the child. Now they're not working. We're not reopening, you know, the working part of our our lives effectively or properly. Uh, We're not getting the economy buzzing again as it should. And so that's why he wants to reopen the schools. Well, here's what I want to know. And I'm not being facetious. This is serious what I'm going to say. i got a question to ask. If the schools don't open, Do we get back our school taxes that we pay? I'm not trying to be funny. Because I'm going to tell you something. If it was reversed, the situation, uh, we'd have to give the government back the money if they gave us the money to be used for something that no longer could it be used for. Well, we all pay school taxes. Schools aren't going to be open. (laughs) Where's my money? Where's your money? We should all get our money back. I don't hear anybody talking about that. And I'm not kidding. I'm serious when I say that. It's like what's good for the goose is good for the gander. Uh, Which now brings me to uh, this Bortac thing. Uh, Last week in a blog, this has been a good week for my blogs, by the way. You should read my blogs, keywestlu.com. I'm not saying that because I've got a big head. I'm saying it because my... It must be what Donald Trump is doing. All I know is my writing's getting better every day. The topics are terrific every day. The, the research and the depth of them is amazing. I love doing them. It's ex- more and more exciting every day. I happened to mention, with regard to Portland, that ICE was there. We know ICE was going in. I also said that the military, the border... Patrol military, Border Patrol military, was in Portland also. The people, you know, weren't showing who they were. Uh, And someone commented to my blog that I misspoke. And I did. This person advised me that the name was Border Patrol Tactical Unit. 
So I stood corrected. I stand corrected. And I'm telling you, if you think it's the Border Patrol military, you're wrong. If I misled you, I apologize. It's the Border Patrol tactical unit. And that's where they get the BORTEC from. BORTEC, Border Patrol Tactical Unit. Now, learned a couple of interesting things, though, this week since I wrote my article. And I didn't know this at the time I wrote. Do you know how many full-time people work for under BORTEC? And this is a sophisticated military unit. Uh, they are effective rifle shooters. What's the term I'm looking for? I have a mental block. But the SWAT teams, they'll kill you a thousand yards away. They can put a bullet between your eyes. They also have been trained like Navy SEALs, like Green Berets, these 220 agents. Now you say, what the hell can 220 people do? They've already gone to Portland. They're going to go to Chicago probably this weekend. Who the hell knows where else? Well, in my research getting ready for this show, I, I, I came up with how this thing's going to work. There are 220 full-time agents. However, there are more agents. They're called part-time agents. They are located all over the United States. They, it's claimed they only work part-time at this, but they're trained just like the 220 full-time. They're, purportedly, there are many more than the 220 full-timers. So if there has to be a confrontation, and Donald Trump needs his Gestapo unit, okay? He's got it, and he can call them from all over the country to come together. I don't know how many it's going to be, 500, 800, 1,000 or better, but he's got that force built too. And between ICE and Bortek, if Trump doesn't want to get his ass out of the White House after he gets beat saying the election was rigged, those are the people that are going to be standing on the steps of the White House keeping everyone away who are trying to get him out of the White House because he's now there illegally. Ah, the American Rebellion. The American Rebellion. I'm talking about some of the things that have happened. Remember, the, the, what was the first rebellion in this country? Think about it. Uh, we were rebels! It's 1773, the Boston Tea Party, 303 caskets of tea dumped in Boston Harbor. Uh, the British, they were very upset. George III in Parliament retaliated. Uh, they, they, they passed a law, I think it was called the Intolerable Act, and it effectively closed Massachusetts down. There was no free rule any longer in Massachusetts. Uh, but they did this. They were rebels. <laughs> That's all the point I want to make. They were rebels. And the funny part of it all is when our founding fathers drafted the Constitution, they had a concern about what was going to happen uh, if someone wanted to screw around with the government later on. Uh, you know, there's a corrupt president or a corrupt group is running our government. And they felt that there shouldn't be any trouble uh, because they had set forth a process for disposing of corrupt, a corrupt government, a corrupt president. And that was the vote. That was the vote. That was the protection. And what have the Republicans been doing for the last 10, 15 years? They've corrupted. They've, they're dismantling the voting system. They're dismantling the voting system. They're going from like 1,500 voting 
places in the and in, in one big county, I think it's Kentucky, South Carolina, North Carolina, and they're bringing it down to five polling places. And now those people have to stand in line eight, twelve hours uh, to get in to vote. Uh, and they're in the county. They're in Democratic states, Democratic counties, and generally the black vote. It's uh, it's a terrible thing. Well, we have a growing we have a, a public. Our public here is getting upset. We're being frustrated. The American public is getting frustrated. Uh, the American public, the people of America, have lost their ability, and they know it, to shape government policies and structure. Democratic government, the way we used to live, is slipping out of the hands of the American people at this point in time rapidly. Abraham Lincoln, we had the Civil War. And I went, earlier I said, you know, how everybody hated each other in the North and South, couldn't get along, et cetera, et cetera. Now you remember the Gettysburg Address. Abraham Lincoln said, and I quote, uh, in the government, in the Gettysburg Address at the end, and I quote, government of the people, by the people, for the people, shall not perish from this earth. Historians will tell you that after he gave that speech, in the one or two years following that speech, the, the war continued, it was two or three years, I think, his, his, his thoughts waned many times as to whether that would actually occur, okay? Whether we could have, we could have and maintain that type of government in the United States of the people, by the people, for the people, and we're in trouble right now, my friends. Want to switch to Nero. Remember Nero? The word is Nero fiddled while Rome burned. This past week, the reason I'm talking about Nero, uh, was the week when Rome burned. I'm laughing already. I lo- I've been telling the story for years. I love it. Uh, in 64 A.D., Rome burned. And, again, people will say, oh, Rome burned. Well, Nero fiddled. Well, there's a lot of non-truth to the story. Historians will tell you. Historians will tell you. Almost to a person. Nero was not even in Rome at that time. He was 35 miles away in his villa, summer villa. Uh, He did not fiddle while Rome burned. Because the fiddle had not been invented yet. Would you believe the fiddle had not been invented, which gives further uh, proof that this is a bullshit story they made up about him. But Nero wasn't a good guy. He was not one to let a crisis go unused. I forget who in today's society says that. Never waste a crisis. I forget who said that, though. But Nero was not one to waste a crisis. What did he do? He says, well, you know, these Christians, they're getting to be a pain in the ass. They say they got this God. We know that the only God is the Roman emperor. I'm the Roman emperor. I'm God. So I want to, these people are aggravating me, okay? They're, they're, they're like becoming a cult. So he decided he was going to blame the Christians, and he did. This is his historical fact for burning Rome. And what did he do? He fed them to the lions, and he crucified them. He, that he did do. Historians say, hey, yes. He blamed improperly the Christians for Rome burning, fed them to the lions in the Colosseum, okay? 
and hung the rest of them on a cross. Okay, Jimmy Carter, not a great president. History is not going to record him as one of our great presidents, not even close. He's he's the greatest post-president we ever had. He's 90 or 92 now. Uh, he works every day for the poor, Habitat for Humanity. In fact, this past week, he passed out in the hot sun and had to be hospitalized. He was dehydrated. He has done so much good all over the world since he ended his presidency the greatest, the best post-president we have ever had. No one will argue the point. Now, there came a time. This is a, this is an example of why he wasn't a very good president. It, it was 1977. Uh, OPEC, Saudi Arabia, our friends Saudi Arabia, you know, they're always our friends, $4 a gallon gasoline. They, they, they would not produce as much oil, and we had a shortage of oil, so we had lines to get gas in our cars. We didn't have enough fuel oil to heat our homes. It's the middle of the winter. Uh, on February 2nd, 1977, Jimmy Carter went on president. I went on TV. I'm, I'm going to give you a solution to the problem. Watch me tonight. And we all did. He came on the TV screen wearing a cardigan sweater, sitting by a fireplace, and he says, you have to do two things, my friends, to get through this. Keep your thermostat by day at 65, and in the evening, 55, and wear a sweater. Can you understand why poor Jimmy Carter wasn't very popular? Poor guy, I felt sorry for him. I thought he was an idiot when he said this. Medal of the freezing winter. Anyhow, that's the show for tonight. I hope you enjoyed. I love doing the show. These numbers get better every week, as I tell you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, if you have time, read my blog every day. Take you two or three minutes. If you like the show, you like the blog. KeyWestLou.com. Take you two or three minutes to read my blog. Again, thank you for joining me. I look forward to being with you next week. <laughs>